I'm so glad to have you uh, here on probably on my YouTube channel or in the podcast. And I I miss you a lot, and I miss touring and everything. And um, how are you doing? Well, I you know I love your band, Hella, and it was so much fun when when we were out uh, the last time together. And yeah, it's 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 tough. It's tough times. I I miss touring. I miss my buddies. Um, I miss my roadie friends. I miss my bands. It's um it's a hard. It's, yeah, it, it, it's quite a hard time just being by yourself in your hometown, even though you're, you're not really by yourself. Obviously, you have your colleagues and, 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 and friends who, who happen to, to live in the same city as you do. But it, it's not the same, especially um, the, inter- the international touring folks like we are. Uh, we do have our best friends from overseas or, or from England or, or, or from, yeah. from, from all over Europe um, and you're stuck in your city and they can't leave their cities um, so the only thing that's left is, is a WhatsApp here and there and a video video call here and there but it's it's not the same is it so we all miss yeah. touring it's um, now now the summer is almost over so um, it's, yeah, yeah, it is what it is, I guess. How have you been? I don't know. Well, more or less okay, because like we are not that dependable on tours and we just released like, not just like in spring, we released our new album. And we were supposed to be touring with it now and in autumn right. and blah, 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 but you know, I'm just trying to move on because I was so much depressed, like in spring, and I was so sure that it's going to be back, you know, to normal in summer or at least in September. So today is September 1st, and it's getting worse and worse. For example, in Ukraine, and if you guys like, you can travel at least in the European Union, we cannot do it. Like we are, we're closed absolutely. So I, I don't know. That's why I'm just trying, like, this was also one of the factors why I kicked off, like, this YouTube channel, because, I mean, in any case, I'm sitting at home, so it would be cool, like, you know, to have some talks with people, like, from other bands and from the music industry. Thank and you so much things. for inviting me. This is great. Yeah, I was so excited <laughs> because I was thinking, like, with whom could, can I speak, like, apart from the bands? And I'm like, yes. That girl, I need, I need you on my show. Uh, and have you made like, have you mixed any shows since the pandemic started? Actually, like this year. No, I did not. Um, the the only thing that somehow came close to it, I was I was rigging and installing a a PA in in the venue near Amsterdam, but that only because they they had purchased a new PA just mm-hmm. before the lockdown. <laughs> So, and then we couldn't come because the borders were all closed. So we couldn't come there to, to tune the system. So that took a while until the borders were somehow open again in, mm-hmm. in Europe and we all could travel and the other system engineers from Belgium and I'm coming from Hamburg. So we both had to, had to enter the Netherlands to, to get to Amsterdam. So that took a while. So we, we could only get there in, when were we there? In June. Mm-hmm. So we did that. But I, apart from that, I did not um, mix any shows so far. I have um, 
I have a singer, I have a showgirl slash singer I work with in Hamburg. Um, we, we're doing some very few rehearsals. Um, I help her with her stage presence and microphone techniques and stuff like that. So, so I, I, I have the ability to, to go, um, I have the opportunity to go to a little club here and, and mm -hmm. work with her on, on her little show. But we don't know uh, when, when she can do her show again. So it's, it's, all, it's all very much up in the air. And even though you say, well, in Europe, we can't travel. Well, that's true. But then um, every day you hear something new happening. I think today mm -hmm. Hungary closed for whatever reason. So it's, you know, nobody, nobody knows anything. I know uh, a few of my colleagues, although a very, 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 very few, a very little percentage of them, they are doing some drive-in shows or mm -hmm. street events or, um, but those guys are, they, they consider themselves very, very lucky to be in that position. And this is also far from normal. I mean, they, they get to do one gig or two and this is this is nothing um, that helps any of us to 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 move on um, with with our career, you know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is I don't know. Have you considered maybe like during these times maybe to start teaching someone? I don't know. Um, or is it impossible to teach you know someone to mix like without without actual live shows? I don't know. How does it, it work? <laughs> it's difficult, right? How how do you teach somebody to be a live sound engineer if there is no live sound or live music? So, um, I I try to to train myself. I I, I um I try to stay sane just by, um, just by studying everything that's in that that's interesting. Um, so I do that for 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 my mind and for my sanity. Um, I, I mentor some other young girls in the industry who want to mm -hmm. be a sound engineer. So I, I also talk to them on, on video and, and answer their questions, um, whether they have a, a little setup at home where they can get to a mixing desk and, and see what's new and just try try little little mixes on, on little multi-track recordings that they maybe had from before the lockdown. And mm -hmm. I help them with some digital plugins or some outboard and some some tips and tricks. But you can only get so far if if you don't really have the the opportunity of offer, yeah, a live show or just APA or, or somewhere you can you can stand in front of. I mean, of course, we we can now go to our storage uh, rooms and our clubs and um, do something just in order to do something but mm -hmm. um at the beginning i mean we are now what how many months are we in lockdown now march april may june july august. Mm -hmm. so we're in the sixth month of lockdown yes. now and in the beginning we thought like oh well okay you know everybody just chill out let's stay home for three or four weeks let's mm -hmm. flatten the curve and everything and um and then after that uh we'll be fine again but but little did we know that it'll be September and we still don't know when, when we can start. So I, I think at the beginning, everybody was really um, excited or, or, or very positive, not excited, but positive yeah, and, yeah. Um, to learn and to, to, to study and to do things that you never had any time uh, to do. But after month number five, it, it, it gotten, you know, 
the, the motivation curve went down as well. And everybody's just like, maybe I need to get a job. Maybe I need to do something else. Uh, no, no, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> maybe I become a hairdresser or something. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's actually very strange for me because like in, in my place, um, August was the first month when I dropped all my day jobs like actually because like before I had at least some freelance stuff going so now I only have like the band well maybe Patreon but it's still about the band and that's it so for me it was a bit different but I mean it's mostly because like of all the fans that have been supporting us and like because we released the new album and actually like like I said in some other interviews we were so lucky that we are not signed like to a label right now because a lot of labels postponed the releases like you know to the next year or something like that so at least we could you know release something then you have a new merch line you have like some content to do and a lot of people are just you know sitting now the bands i mean and they they're just waiting for touring i am waiting for touring because like Actually, like the last year, we almost spent it without touring. We had just a few dates because we were writing the new album and everything. And I'm like all the time I was thinking, why, why it could be like this year we could be just sitting and writing and then just touring. But like this year was supposed to be so much about touring for us. And it's like everything is upside down. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I've, I've I've totally totally missed my my summer run this year. I would have mm-hmm. I would have also been out with the girls. I would have been out, been out with with the butcher babies and mm-hmm. and yeah, we we had we would have had a really very very cool festival summer ahead. Um, yeah, with you know sometimes when when you get your festival summer schedule. The first thing you do is like, oh my god, what other bands are playing on my day? Yeah. And then yeah. You you phone up your friends and they were like, hey, you know, we're on the same day at Wacken or we're on the same day on Bloodstock. Let's hang out. Let's have a drink and let's you know mm-hmm. be social. And um, yeah, that's what I've missed the most. I mean, I said it before. I'll say it again. Um, I miss my friends. It's yeah, I miss my buddies. Not just the not just the the show, of course. I, I I miss the show as well. I I talked to this with a friend of mine the other day. She's also a showgirl, another showgirl friend of mine. She um, dances in a little club uh, on on Reeperbahn here, and she's she's like a burlesque performer, showgirl, um, comedy act, and she 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 got really depressed because she was not only not able to be working and making money, but also missing her crowd and the applause mm-hmm. every night. And and she got really depressed because like this is what I've been doing for the past 10 years of my life and now nobody is looking at me anymore. Now from a front of house perspective, this is possibly just the other way because you only see people from the back usually, but um, I miss the applause too. I mean, I, you know, when when you when you when you get to the end of a show, and and the kids loved it, and everybody gets gets really excited, then mm-hmm. you're in your LD or the backliner on stage or the monitor guy or the video guy was like, okay, 
good job, you know. <laughs> um, so we miss that too. At least I do. I do. I miss the energy. Um, ah, yes. Yeah. We miss it all. From your uh, perspective, like of a live sound engineer, what does make your work more stressful and what does it make more smooth? I mean, what conditions do you need to have a great show, you know, from your perspective? You mean when it comes to touring? Oh, well, like, did, touring. yeah, touring, mixing a live show, a festival, like anything, any show, like, or maybe it is different, like depending. It is, it is really different. I think it depends if you, if you work with your own band or if you, if you locally from the PA company. Mm -hmm. um, so when you work with your own band, what I, what I mainly do is I get booked by bands to do their front of house on uh, front of house sound on the tour. Um, I would say definitely what always helps are production days. So if you really have the opportunity to go for uh, two or three days into a rehearsal spot before the first day of the tour um, to really get to know each other. I mean, if, if it's a new band, but even if, it, if it's a band you've been working for for years, it always helps to just, um, after a long period of not being out, um, to go come back together, whether it's in the US or over here, and, and just sit down, talk about the show, talk about the set. Um, Intros are always really important for me. I always need to know how how do you guys get on stage? Is there an intro? What is it, what is it sounding like? You know, the, the beginning of the show is always crucial for mm -hmm. everyone. Mm -hmm. So that, that you you rehearse that. But every so often you just get thrown into the deep end, right? Um, when there <laughs> is a band that you don't know and there's no production rehearsals and, and the first day of the tour is a major festival and you got 20 minutes of changeover and you know nothing and you just stand on front of house. And I'm like, yeah, I, I just wish for the best, you know, um, at <laughs> least that's what I do. It, it, it's always... Um, it always depends. And if you are in a position where you work in a club, for example, and you have a visiting band and they don't have an engineer, which is rarely the case these days, but sometimes bands still do that. And then you need to figure out what, what they're doing in one afternoon or mm -hmm. in the couple of hours before doors. Um, but the longer you do it, the more often you do it, the more confident you get about almost everything mm -hmm. so um just i for myself just learned to just deal with everything that people just throw at you because you got no other choice anyway you, you gotta make it work at the end of the day and you just do your best to, to make it work and to make it sound like the record maybe not always <laughs> the case but you know what i mean yeah, but do you have like, um, so to say, like for you personally, is there something like uh, that makes your day better, like to mix everything? Maybe something like not from the technical writer, but maybe some from hospitality stuff, or maybe you need some time, yeah, I don't know, to have a rest, or I don't know, just something that makes it way smoother, you know, with everything. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'm actually not very demanding on tour. I don't have anything on the writer. I'm I'm not a vegetarian or I'm not a vegan. I don't have any allergies. I, I you know I'm 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 actually cool with everything. I guess um 
what makes my day smooth is when I, all right, I know one, uh, one thing. I want to eat before I load in. I want to have breakfast before. <laughs> so if I, if I can actually get up in the morning and have a shower and have a breakfast and a coffee and maybe sit for 20 minutes and then load my trailer or my truck, that's a good indication of a smooth day. Because you know how this works. Sometimes you just get up in the morning and you're like, loading is like in five minutes. And you go like, what? <laughs> yeah. get up. Or loading is at the same time as getting to the venue. Or you go like, oh. Or you loading is maybe uh, an hour after getting at the venue, but you have some very motivated stagehands. They already want to open the truck while you're still having your coffee. Um, mm. And then you're kind of like, oh, they want to work and everybody's looking at me and I'm going to take my time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, 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 that's true. That's all. Oh, Breakfast okay. is always good. Yeah. Uh, next question. Mm, can you tell like what are the main mistakes that bands do on stage, maybe from the technical perspective that can, I don't know, that can influence it like you're mixing somehow or maybe, I don't know, maybe like from the inexperienced bands, what they do wrong, I don't know, maybe they have something not prepared or how can they make it better like to sound technically on stage? I guess for newcomer bands who are new in the touring industry uh, or, or new to, to touring, what always helps is an accurate writer. Um, a stage plot. Stage plot always helps massively, at least to me, when I'm a local uh, sound engineer and I wait for my band um, and I and I know where where are the power drops that I have to prepare or... Mm -hmm. Who, who, you know, stage left, stage right positions, um, so I can throw, um, so I can throw my chorus there already, um, to, to just to speed up a little bit of the of the sound sound checking process. So that always helps. Stage plots are a good indication of 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 just being on on the safe side. I mean, a classic mistake that bands make like to make is the guitar player turning up his amp halfway through the show and you go like okay well <laughs> duh. you can't hear yourself turn up the amp i mean i get yeah. it but for either for, for either side of the snake whether it's monitor engineer or front of house engineer that that sucks but you, you you deal with it i mean i also believe that the reason why you have a sound engineer up front is i mean there we cannot we cannot turn everything into gold, obviously, but we are also there to to deal with what's being given us from stage. That makes mm -hmm. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, of course, don't turn your amp up halfway through the show. At least you know, because because that will sound that that will that will make the the, the soundscape uh, change drastically. Mm -hmm. Um. I have. I also know drummers who who are quite lazy uh, during sound check, and then on the first song of the set, they just go like crazy, and in front of house, you go like, "Whoa, what's happening?" But <laughs> they didn't have their know. coffee. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> maybe. And but then you 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 deal with it regardless. But yeah, little. That's just a little. 
things that you can do as a band. Um, I understood your point of view. Actually, what I wanted to ask, um, a lot of times, for example, the show has already started and the band starts playing and, I don't know, some of them don't hear themselves because something changed, you know, the crowd got into the venue or something. Like, your opinion, um, does this band need to, you know, talk to the mic, to the uh, sound engineer to change something? Because actually, like, I asked this question to a lot of people, like other fellow bands, and some of them say that it looks like very unprofessional or that, I mean, it's in the middle of the show and they are talking like about some technical stuff. Like, what do you think? I don't... Um... Um, okay, <laughs> put it this way. If you are a band that draws a couple of thousand people, a couple of thousand tickets per show, um, there's a fat chance that you have your own monitor engineer, your own front of house engineer, your own desks, your own in-ears, and you had rehearsals before, and so on, and so on. Mm -hmm. So um, talking about professionalism, is that the word? Yeah. Um, the chance that that happens halfway through the show that anybody can't hear themselves or it's so bad they have to do, have to say something to the monitor engineer um, are quite small. So if you are a band that draw not so many people, maybe just two to three hundred tickets show and you only bring a front of house engineer or maybe no engineers mm -hmm. at all. Well, you have to talk to the house people because if you don't bring your own people and you have different engineers every night and different setups every night and your um, your setup is limited because your budget is limited, um, then that's rock and roll. I mean, you, you will have to... I, I don't see any problem with that. Um, and ever so often, just a quick sign helps too. And, and your engineers will will understand what you mean. So I hope that, yeah, I hope that's understandable. Yeah, when yeah, you yeah. are yeah. like a big band and you think, oh my God, I cannot do this on stage because it looks unprofessional because there are like 5,000 people looking at you. Well, the chances that this happens are very small because... Mm -hmm. Of, of the budget I think it's a, it, it's a matter of budget of course but um, no I don't see any problem with that oh. actually why, why would you why would you want to tough through a song when you can't hear your song or, or through well, a whole I show don't know. it's like mostly it's when when you are on tour and like you said the venue is different every night and sometimes for example the support bands they don't always have like the touring um sound engineer with them so sometimes it's like only the local guys and maybe sometimes there can be some problems or i don't know it's just i don't know i this is what i face because sometimes like i hear people say that it's very unprofessional that uh, the band starts talking like in the middle of the show or you know usually it happens after the first song especially if you didn't have a sound check and you only had a line check if the lineup mm -hmm. It's like four or five bands, you know, so like usually it's not the headliners, of course, but yeah. I mean, there are a lot of like these middle bands 
because the opening band usually has a sound check because they're playing first. Yeah, and I remember like, the dilemma. Yes, we and it's like it's not only like about uh, our case on tour because it's like this is what I hear from so many bands, especially the bands that yeah. already have a crowd to play in front of like 200 people, but it's still not like they are not headliners. Yeah. No, I, 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 I totally, I totally understand that. And I, I, I totally understand that people are thinking about that a lot. Um, I also think there's a fine line between toughing something through because it's rock and roll and you are not the headliner band and you just have to deal with it mm-hmm. and being overly demanding over something that you could easily let slide to. Mm-hmm. So I think you will have to find a middle ground. And I remember that the, the, the dilemma that was, that was uh, uh, Ignea on, on our tour because you were always the middle band, <laughs> yeah. like always in the middle between the opener and the headliner. And um, yeah, I know soundcheck is hard being the middle band because there's there's just no sound check. Well I um, also I also understand But you dealt also. really well with it. I mean yeah, you you've, you've yeah, been but fine. You've been yeah. you've been crushing it every night. I remember so often when we were just when we were just uh looking at oh Ignea is playing, you gotta check it out. So we were all going through <laughs> from the house and watch Ignea play. Cause, oh, so oh kitty cat. Yeah, because Kitty actually wants something from me. So. <laughs> Um, is actually um, what I would wanted to say is that I talked to the bands who are normally headliners, but you know there's always a band that is higher, and sometimes they are also supporting bands that are also higher, like in their level. And sometimes these big bands who are used to having long sound checks, mm-hmm. they have only a line check. And I mean, what I heard from them that it's so hard, you know when you are already used to have everything prepared and then you're thrown into the conditions uh, of 10 years ago or something like that. Yes, I, yeah, I, I think I can understand that. But the good news is it's everybody's path. Yes. You have to go through. Like every band at some point has to eat some shit to make it to, make it to the top, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I so think that's that's like the essence of of rock and roll, not just rock and roll, probably every kind of music, but um of the essence of what we're doing. And I I always believe that when I'm on front of house, or at least I, I, I I'd like to think that I do that is like I, I try to accommodate everyone on the show. So I always try to um, make room. If my band's not being completely dicks, then I always try to make room for mm-hmm. something for the others or try to help where I can, right? or at least leave my front of house in a way so uh, the next engineer for the opening band or the support band is having an easier time. And um, I think it's it's important because a lot of people, and you know what they say, um, you meet the same people on your way to the top and then mm. on your way back down. So yeah, just look look out for each other, I guess. Yeah, that's true. Another question that I had is um, 
your advice, like what is it better to invest in, in terms of equipment in the first place, like for the band that is about to start touring, um, I don't know, and they just, you know, maybe they have a limited budget. What it's, what is the most important things that can make uh, your life easier on stage or something like that, like before the first tour, let's say. Um, you mean aside from backline and instruments and well yeah, yeah and you, like you know sometimes the band already has mm. all the instruments but for example you know how it goes with the backline for example they're supporting someone and there is a touring backline for the entire lineup but there are also always like some things that are very personal to every band like in mm -hmm. ears or something like that mm. um well i always think every singer should have their own microphone so i think that that's number one Only during the pandemic think, especially it's so yeah, much about <laughs> hygiene and everything yeah right maybe people think about that now in a different way than they did before but i was always really grossed out when i had to take one of the club microphones to the main singer like there you know so yeah and the second thing is i Always thought it was a really cool idea for smaller bands to um, get their own in-ear setup and monitoring setup mm -hmm. with um, just one sorry band member to um, to operate it. Mm -hmm. But this is a tough question because I don't. I don't really know. I don't. I don't ever really care because, again, on front of house, when I'm working with a band that I don't know, um, in a club, I, I I try to make almost everything work. Mm -hmm. And if I if I do work with a band who takes me on tour to be their dedicated sound engineer, I do bring a lot of equipment. So I bring a lot of my own equipment to make my own life easier. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. say say when I'm when I'm when I'm a house engineer in Hamburg and you are the visiting band and you don't have an engineer with you um I also have everything in the house that, that I can give to you to 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 to, to make a good show and a decent mm -hmm. sound um but yeah I I had that quite often that that bands came with their own I don't know little x32 rack that costs i think the small x32 costs less than the newest iphone mm -hmm. so um and and they have their in ears and you only get a whip to front of house and then you go cool i don't have to deal with everything with anything else i just i just deal with the front of house inputs and the band is doing their own monitor setup which is very cool because um in the digital area you can just save your show file and then you, you go from from show to show with it so i think bands do have uh, um a very good very good experiences with with these kind of setups it's far from um it's not not far from professional but it's like as you go you will probably one day hire somebody to do it all for you to, a monitor engineer but as as long as you do little clubs, then yeah, have a go. Mm -hmm. Cool, 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 cool. I'll think about it. <laughs> it's a very interesting uh, thing because, you know, right now we're not touring and we're actually thinking of upgrading everything that we have 
before touring kicks off again. And it's actually, it's a very important question for us as well, because usually what we suffer a lot from is not being able to hear ourselves on mm -hmm. stage well. And I experienced that even changing your microphone, like as a singer, it makes such a huge difference. Like from the tour that we were together in, I had like this usual classic uh, Shure, uh, 57, the Beta 57A, and then I upgraded to Sennheiser, and it's actually not like the top line of Sennheiser's, it's like in the very middle, but for some reason it just captures my voice so much better uh, mm -hmm. and doesn't capture everything around that I hear myself so much better in my in ears. More directional, yeah. Yes, it made so much difference that for the like our first rehearsals, I didn't even understand what is happening because I was hearing myself just like at the studio, you know, the recording studio. It was, and it was just a mic. And but it's, it. it's it's great. So so you you just proven the point that there is uh, a microphone for for every singer, and it maybe it takes you a while to figure out what you want and what you like. And these days, every music store. Or every manufacturer, they're more than happy to, to send you a few just to try it out uh, before you buy it. At least in Hamburg, I know that they're doing it. If you're looking for a new microphone and you're ready to invest, mm -hmm. I don't know, four or five hundred euros into it, uh, then they will give give uh, the microphone to you so so you can you can try it out at home. Really? I least. didn't I it didn't is, know it actually. I think yeah, I think most of them will do it. And it is, I think it is so important to really have the opportunity to go through a couple of mics and see which one which one is best. Yeah. I mean, especially in metal, what we do all the time. We do metal all the time. I do metal all the time. Mm -hmm. And um, the singer is always in front of the drum kit. And you go like, ah, oh, yes, what? Yes. <laughs> Why? Why is this a thing that the drummer is always in the middle when I have my singer there? But it's a thing. And um, it will also look really weird if the drummer was somewhere else. Um, but you have cymbal spill, you have drum spill in the main vocal mic all the time. And um, yeah, you just have to, to pick and try and see what works best. Yeah, yeah, that is true. Well, I, I don't, I know that it's not only like for live shows because in the studio when we are recording vocals, usually our um, our sound producer always checks like which microphone works best. And sometimes, you know, he has he can have a very cool microphone that is I don't know very popular, but it's just it doesn't work with the frequencies of your voice and mm -hmm. that's it or maybe it's better for the clean vocals or for the growls and also and everything that's why just because sometimes the bands they say like I know a lot of bands that feel that front of the house is like very responsible for the sound and for like the comfort of the band but it's not always it's not only about the front of the house like the band has to prepare like as much as they can, because I mean, it's not yeah, only sure. about. Yeah, sure. Sure. I mean, if you if you if you have a band on stage that just delivers every night, and they are so good 
in a sound technical point of view, but also in their playing, um, then on front of house, you go like, that's cool. That is so easy, you know? Mm -hmm. And then you can, you can actually uh, start to mix stuff instead of fix stuff. <laughs> ah, <you> yeah. <laughs> what a great thing, but it's very true. Um, yeah. I see. Okay, I will check out. Yeah. To to just to sum this up, it's like um, rehearse rehearsal rehearsals and being tight, knowing your equipment well, and 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 being a very very good tight life band is is all that matters. You can have so much fancy equipment and and so many cool toys on stage if if your band isn't tight or isn't good and 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 the, the guitar player is doing his own thing and the singer is doing his own thing mm -hmm. then you can have the best sound engineer in the world in front of house for you um it will it will not be good at the end of the day because yeah, i i do work in little clubs uh, on Reeperbahn and i and i really over the years i made this experience uh, the experience that if you have a really really good and tight life band and they come with nothing it, it will be a good show so that's more than half of the rent there already. Cool. And um, when it comes to mixing, what is like, what do you like better? Like festivals, huge festivals with huge stage and PA and everything or club shows? Well, quality wise, I'd say club shows. Mm -hmm. uh, fun wise, of course, it's festivals. Mm -hmm. um, because in a club show, you have more time to concentrate and prepare mm -hmm. your show because you have a sound check and you have a structured day that begins with the load in and then with the sound check and then, you know, preparing everything and then show and then you go to bed. Um, on a festival day, usually your day is a lot shorter because mm -hmm. uh, maybe you got a um, 6 p.m. slot on one of the stages. And then you can enter your, you got drum riser access at four. So you have two, two hours uh, time for setup and then you have a 30 minutes changeover and then you do the show and then your day is already over by seven, mm -hmm. an hour later. But it is very, very cool because you have a lot of time to hang out and, and have fun. And usually when you do a club show, your evening is filled with doing your show. Mm -hmm. um, but when you do a festival and you have like a late afternoon or early evening slot, then you're done with everything because you have so many people helping you. So your trailer or, or your truck is packed in like no time. Mm -hmm. and, and then you still have the whole evening until what's called and you, you can go and check out other bands. I mean, I, I really enjoy festivals because oh, yeah. I really I, I really do still enjoy to go to shows. Mm -hmm. Private, you know. So um, I like watching bands. So, yeah, me too. And meeting friends. Yeah. Mm. You know. Oh well, I have one more question. Um, like you spend a lot of time in the spaces where the sound is very loud, and what do you do to protect your ears? Because I mean, it's the most important <laughs> thing. And what can you advise maybe to? people who are just, I don't know, visiting the shows and musicians on stage as well. And on okay, rehearsals. Well, 
I think there is no way to sugarcoat this. When you're a front of house engineer, you are exposed to noise mm-hmm. a lot. So um, the only thing that you really can do is always protect your ears when somebody else is checking, when it's not mm-hmm. yourself. Like I, for example, I have always my plugs in when um, when the other bands are checking. I have my plugs in. When the other bands are playing, I have my plugs in. So I usually protect my ears at all times when um so when when i'm not doing my own sound check and my own show mm-hmm. so all the other times my my ears are protected also i don't listen to music when i'm in my bunk or mm-hmm. in, on the bus i don't listen to music backstage or 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 whatever and um if it's a really long tour i say if it's more than five weeks um then at some point halfway through the tour, I also I, and I, I have my own desk with me. I do the sound check, I do the line check, I check if everything works and if the band is still doing their own thing uh, on stage, I will pop my, my earplugs back in and, and just lean back and, and let them do their thing. So mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but you, 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 you cannot wear earplugs during the show. I mean, I don't do it mm-hmm. because my audience doesn't wear earplugs either. Um, I always try, especially in in metal, what I do all the time, I try 100 dBA on front of house. So I, I, I try to, to stay there and not exceed it. So everybody everybody's having, having mm. a decent noise level. So it's still metal, but it's not blasting your ears. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's... Yeah, that's, that's cool. And so I loved the point that you cannot wear your plugs like during the show because the audience doesn't have them. That's so... I never thought about it, but it's very... It makes so much sense. Yeah, um, I I know... I mean, I, I know my... I, I remember my parents saying when, when I started this job and they were like, please, are you wearing your earplugs? And I'm like, yeah, but not during my show. But you're doing six shows a week. And I'm like, yeah. But that's my job. I mean, there's other jobs in this world where people are at risk and for doing something. I, I don't really have anything to compare it to right now, but um, it, it's just what it is. It, it, it's what you do. You're, you're in front of house engineer. That's what you do. And actually, I do try. I, I do test my ears regularly. So I do mm. it at least once a year. I go to the. Let me find the word. <laughs> the. Awesome, <laughs> What's it called? The, <laughs> I don't know. The audio this. doctor, ear doctor guy. That guy. That guy. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm trying to to see where where I stand with my hearing. And so far, knocking on wood, it's pretty good. So mm-hmm. no damages. That's so interesting. Yeah. I think you also at some point you also really train your ears in a way. Mm-hmm. Because I also found out, like, during the pandemic, I was watching also a lot of videos about, like, vocal health and everything like that. And um, there was a doctor speaking, like, the doctor who fixes uh, the vocal cords, you know, of the singers who can, you know, sometimes they damage their cords so much. And I found out that, for example, some musicians, they have, like, only one in-ear plugs, you know, and the other one is just hanging, 
so that they hear like everything around or maybe floor monitors and also and she said that it is a very bad thing to do actually because your vocal cords they um they tremble i guess like they making it like this and when when you're producing the sound and when you're hearing only with one ear it creates some kind of a disbalance in your vocal cords and it actually can damage your voice. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> okay. Also, the, the, the thing with the with the one ear in and the other ear out. Now I'm not much of a monitor engineer, so I don't I don't do that very often, but um a very, very good monitor uh, engineer once um she said that on a podcast is when you have one ear out of your in-ear people usually tend to turn their pack up mm -hmm. so they have it louder. So she says like put one ear, one, just one ear in with your usual mix that you have and then put the other in ear too. It's pretty damn loud. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. So you, you're un unnecessarily damaging your one ear with with the loudness that you've got, which you wouldn't have if you would just have both in-ears in and ask for your monitor engineer for a bit more ambience or yeah. whatever you need in order to, to, to have the feeling of a live show. Now, I'm not a, not a musician, but I can do understand why, why people do that. But um, yeah, it, it just damages that one ear then if you have it so loud. Also, in this day and age, you have so many great stuff on on monitor world, like um, like 3D immersive um, monitor mixing and monitor settings. I, I've heard that many times. Uh, that's just great, and mm -hmm. and people just really don't need to have their in ears as loud anymore in order to have the whole field on stage. Yeah. Well, in ears makes so much difference. I don't know mm. how how bands. I actually, I had my in ears first, and then I bought my microphone. It was so yeah. strange, but but that was the case. I mean, I just remember that after the first couple of shows, I really didn't hear myself at all, and I didn't hear the tune at all. So I mean, with the clean vocals, when you don't hear where you are supposed to sing to, it's I mean, I just watched a little bit of the video from a live show and I understood that I didn't hit a lot of notes simply because I didn't hear myself. And that's why, like, back then I was 20 years old and I just, I saved money and I bought in ears and sure. then I bought, like, the microphone. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not even much of a monitor engineer mm. and I've got a pair of in ears and it is honestly my favorite piece of equipment that I own. <laughs> Yes, yeah. I have a couple of friends who use, you know, professional in ears just to listen to their music. They're not even musicians. I do that. I had that. I had that forever. I mean, now now you got like noise canceling stuff, and and it's really cool. But before the era of the really, before the era of the really cool noise canceling stuff, I always had my in ears on the plane. I always listen to music or to movies on the plane with my with my in ears. Yeah. Do you have right now any shows planned to mix? Maybe no. No, actually, my uh, my next tour is planned uh, August twenty twenty one. 
Okay, so far, but uh, no, unfortunately not. Mm -hmm. Well, I really, I really hope that <laughs> I really hope that it changes at some point. I heard that people in Berlin were protesting like against the lockdown, like thousands of people. Yeah, those are dummies. We we don't we don't want to talk about those, but we are okay. going to um, have a demonstration next week. Yeah. You mean like the people from the event industry? From or? the event industry, it's like the it's like the we make events red alert night um, uh, night of lights, um, all those initiatives that uh, have been around. We're doing this in Berlin next week. Um, mm -hmm. It is very um, important to understand that we are not demonstrating against the lockdown, and the, it is very, very clear to us that these men that these measures have to take place. Mm -hmm. um, we are just demonstrating pro being visible and um, just have the people understand and the government to understand that we are in danger and the whole industry is in danger and we don't know how to move on and and how long it's going to take until uh, we can move on so it's just a matter of yeah being visible mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so like a whole industry of a couple of million uh people working in it who are all out of work yeah i guess that germany has a huge event industry i mean it's yeah. It's way more big. developed than in you know many countries it's very big um i i hope i get the numbers right right now but um the car industry in germany makes uh a yearly like 165 billion euros a year mm -hmm. and the event industry as a whole makes 160 billion euros a year so mm -hmm. it's it's just not very much not not a lot smaller than the car industry of which germany is famous for yes, yes. the event industry and we're completely out of work and with almost um getting support is very difficult over here and i mean it's it's probably a lot more difficult than every other country right now um, yeah, yeah. Well, I heard that the UK is doing something, you know, but still, I mm. mean, I cannot even think of maybe like countries like in Ukraine, I'm not even thinking that nothing is being done here, but like, yeah. I'm not expecting that, but I'm sure that countries, even countries like Hungary or Poland, I'm sure it's so, so much harder there. Yeah, but I mean, I get, I get my support from Austria because I'm Austrian. Mm -hmm. So I've been I've been quite lucky so far with being looked after. So I cannot really speak for everyone else. I just mm -hmm. really really hope everybody is well, and um, I really hope that the big black cloud that we try to fight every day when we wake up and know that there is still nothing to do. I just hope that we all have the strength to fight it a little longer and and, and keep it at bay and just keep the ment mental health um yeah just just yeah. keep us all mentally healthy which is a very very big part and yeah taking it like a champ yeah yeah that, that is true oh well 
I also just one question popped up in my head. Like right now, there are a lot of like if the shows are happening, they are socially distanced, mm-hmm. meaning that usually there are you know um, people are sitting <laughs> at, the, at the metal concerts and. Um, Usually there is a smaller number of people in a larger uh, at the larger venues. Mm-hmm. Uh, does it actually influence the sound? Like when you're mixing, will it be different? Like compared to usual standing of people? Yeah, of course. I mean, sitting and standing, I don't really know. I, yeah, I mean, you, you you can tilt the PA in a in in a way so it's for 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 seated and then for standing people. But yeah, of course, it will sound it will uh, uh, sound massively if you have like a ten thousand people room and you're only allowed to sell two thousand tickets. So that yeah. would be a huge difference. Yeah, it's I mean, worse. <laughs> yes, you know? yes. That I was I was just thinking. I, this is something that just came to my head because I know that it is very bad financially because like yeah. I was um, <laughs> I was occupied at the like booking agency as well and I understand that it's like I, I cannot even understand how people are going to make money from these like all the sides like promoters and the touring party and everyone and I also understand that like right now People, a lot of people are without their jobs, so paying more for the shows, it's also not that easy, you know. Yeah, I and also my my problem is I, I don't have a solution. I don't have an alternative. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not a politician and I'm not a scientist and I don't know what else it can do. I can only hope for our for politics to do the right thing by us and i i i can not do anything but but trust the people the science the science yeah. people you know those guys mm-hmm. <laughs> and the scientists do to, to do the right thing by us and um yeah i i i don't know how to move on i mean that sounds dramatic. Yes. <laughs> I don't know how the industry can move on if if we if there isn't a vaccine or whatever, I'm not sure. Well, I I heard that there are a lot of vaccines now tested. So I mean at least we can hope in Russia. Because <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I heard that like this vaccine in Russia that uh, the American government and scientists they are not even ready to test it on animals. And I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I let other two people do that job. Yes. I I you know I I like to I like to uh, push faders and uh, and twist some knobs and and do some rock and roll. And I thank you for listening to this episode of the Bandsman, a podcast about everything that bands are doing with their management to get out of the basement. If you have a band and would like to share your experience, contact us through the email that you can find in the description to this episode. Subscribe to our podcast today. New episodes will be out every week. Our talks are also available on YouTube. You can find the link to our channel and social profiles in the description.